Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Hey, everybody, it's Kim Schivler. Welcome to the WP Tonic Roundtable this Friday. This is episode 262, and as always, we have a great roundtable group to discuss some stories in WordPress. Today, our host is Intelligence WP. They actually let you make real sense at your Google Analytics to get information about what posts and pages are producing the best results for you. Make sure you check them out at intelligencewp.com. And let's introduce ourselves to the roundtable. I've got you guys up in the gallery view, so I'm going to start on the end with Sally and come back towards myself. Sally, introduce yourself, please. Good morning. My name is Sally Getch. I'm a, a WordPress consultant, is probably the broadest term, and the organizer of the East Bay WordPress meetup in Oakland, California. And uh, I have adorable cats and strong opinions. Nice. Chris, please introduce yourself. My name is Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of Lifter LMS, which is a WordPress plugin that makes it possible to create, sell, and protect engaging online courses. And my business partner, Thomas, is the lead organizer of the Los Angeles uh, WordCamp. So that's, that's pretty exciting. Yes, very much so. And John Locke. Thanks, Kim. Um, I'm John Locke. My business is Lockdown Design. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, SEO for manufacturers. There you go. Excellent. Thank you, everybody. I am Kim Schivler. I'm the co-host of the WP Tonic podcast and also a communications and business instructor. Let's get started with our stories today. I don't know if everybody got to look into the Slack channel, but Sally had a story on virtual reality that when we get there, we're actually going to swap out that Gutenberg story for this because we've kind of done that to death for a little while. And uh, I'm sure there will be more Gutenberg stories in the future. What do you think? (laughs) All right, so let's then get started with the one on... Excuse me. Just uh, We did want to announce the WordPress in Higher Education is going to be on January 30th. We had an interview last week with Rachel from WP Campus, and so you can find that on the WP Tonic uh, website. But we did want to let everyone know that because it's free and it's going to be about WordPress in higher education, and they're starting to see, I think, some breakthroughs in higher education being more open to WordPress. So I wanted to see what you guys' were thoughts were both on the fact that they're breaking out with these new conferences and, and if you have any sense of, of where it's maybe going with people you know within that arena. Uh, Chris, I'm going to start with you since you are a LMS guy. Yeah, um, I think it's fantastic to have these niche conferences. Um, like John mentioned, uh, SEO for manufacturing, that's a very specific use case. Higher education and how they interact with uh, WordPress is a specific use, uh, specific use case. Um, I do have to admit, I'm, I'm a little disappointed because I applied to speak at that event and I, my, speak did not, my talk did not get accepted. 
but I respect their decision. Um, what I was going to touch on in my talk was um, how I'm seeing how I'm seeing uh, professors at universities using WordPress LMS, also academic departments, and then the opportunity for the school as a whole. I get contacted frequently by higher ed uh, with either questions and LMS and they're using it in that application. I find it very interesting. A lot of uh, people using WordPress as a learning management system right now are doing it as solo entrepreneurs, but it's starting to break into higher education more. It seems like WordPress in the higher education space is, you know, really focused on the university website and the mm -hmm. academic department and, you know, and a lot of content issues and, and a lot of publishers and, and really creating a large scale CMS. But I think there's a lot of opportunity to extend that with, um, you know, learning management system stuff, maybe bringing some business processes more online, like applications and, uh, you know, event management and all this kind of stuff that uh, WordPress does well with beyond just the content. Very good input, They're absolutely, and I, I definitely see it growing. Um, they didn't accept mine either, so just so you know. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I, didn't, yes. I didn't apply this time, I applied to the last one, but just so you know. Uh, and it looks like Morton's joining us. Hi, Morton, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Sure. Hi, I'm Morton. I'm a senior staff instructor at LinkedIn Learning, and I only just discovered that we're using the same link for every meeting now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hadn't even paid attention to that. Um, <laughs> That's okay. I realized this morning, as you can see, I'm Jonathan. He sent me my out my panelist link, which means I actually couldn't log in and take over the show the way I needed ah. to. So we were a little late getting everything configured. So. Uh, Sally, your thoughts on WordPress and higher ed? Yes. Well, it's, you know, I, I was an academic at the time I started building uh, websites. So, you know, the, the topic in general is interesting to me, although I haven't followed in a lot of detail. I, I was just listening to your interview with Rachel. The, the first thing that caught my eye was that there, there was a talk entitled Headless and Brainless WordPress. Um, and, you know, this, this seemed uh, to me, as somebody who had not heard the term brainless used in, in this way, uh, like, you know, oh, are we talking about making WordPress like so simple that it, it requires no brain to use? But um, I think I might have to watch the talk to understand exactly what headless, limbless, and brainless uh, uh, content management systems are. Um, but, you know, I, I agree with uh, Chris in terms of uh, sort of my understanding of, of you know, going way back, all right, educational technology in, in the mid to late, 90s was sort of a scattered thing and um, I built my first website because I, I had started an electronic journal and it was about a visual sort of a medium and we wanted pictures so we, we, we switched from delivering it by FTP to, to delivering it on the web and then I started building departmental websites for the departments that I was working with. And, you know, it, nothing was connected to anything then. It wasn't about, you know, you could put up information for your classes, although getting a, to a place where your students could actually see it meant that you had to like book some time in a computer lab because, you know, there was nothing in your classroom and none of it was connected to anything else, to anything involving like the 
grades or or that and you know so much has evolved since then but uh you know it it sounds as though a lot of it is still pretty fragmented and it's sort of like well yeah this department decides to do this and that department decides to do that and then maybe the main university website has something different um so uh, you know it is really interesting to to see what's going to happen i'm i'm hoping i can tune in to watch the uh, um, <clears throat> uh accessibility testing uh talk uh, and some of these others, but it, it all sounds, uh, it sounds less academic than I would have expected look, looking at the, the list of talks. Oh, interesting. I'm still digging through. So I, I, I did want to, I do want to listen to it, but I've been a little wrapped up with some other things to dig really into what the talks are. Uh, John Locke, your thoughts? Well, like Sally said, um, a, a lot of the universities, they, they are kind of fragmented. Um, I know that here in, in Sacramento, and this is probably about three years ago, there was a, a talk on uh, moving the Sac State site over to WordPress. And I don't think the main site is on WordPress at this point, but I, I know what happens in a lot of universities is each uh, little subsection of the university uh, chooses like how they build the site sometimes and WordPress is, is a viable option uh, for that um, and definitely can be used as a multi-site or CMS so I think we are seeing more and more uh, you know university sites choosing WordPress instead of an alternative like Drupal. Sounds good. Now Morton you are also involved in learning here have you uh, any work with higher education as far as WordPress goes? Uh, I spoke at the first uh, WP campus in Sarasota uh, a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. and I've uh, I've done a bunch of work with WordPress in the higher ed setting, especially around implementing. I've worked with a couple of universities that did this thing where they had a multi-site setup where each individual student had their own WordPress site underneath, which is very very large and complicated um and i've i've seen the back end of some university setups and what several of the other panelists have talked about this whole balkanization of how university websites are set up is a, a truly perplexing problem I, I work at a university right now where there are at least four or five different entirely different entities living within the university system for just staff to log in and interface with different components of the system. And they were created, historically, they stem from someone needed a feature, so they built a website, and then someone else needed a different feature, and they just built a different website because there was no inter interdepartmental communication. Um, and it's like, it's like government, you know, the in the uh, United States, they made this, um, what do they call it? The U.S. Digital Service after the whole mess with the, the rollout of the Affordable Care Act and the website that couldn't sign up for. It, I feel like it's the same that universities didn't start out saying, hey, we need to have one website that contains everything that runs on one system where someone is in charge of the whole thing. Instead, they said, everyone who needs a website, just here's a server, just do whatever you want. And then that has, that has solidified itself to the point where you can't change it. Um, as for the conference, I think 
WP Campus is probably one of the best examples of how the WordPress <coughs> community needs dedicated conferences that target specific types of audiences. This concept of WordCamps being able to somehow cover every need is simply not true because when you go into WP Campus, even though the speaker list may look like it's maybe general WordCamp, when you actually go and listen to the conversations they're having, they're very specifically targeted at unique problems that happen at university type settings around managing enormous numbers of users, around uh, controlling assets that are sent in and out, around all these seemingly peripheral issues, but because they might be peripheral to the WordPress community, but because universities generally have thousands and thousands and thousands of users, and there may be, you know, thousands of universities doing it, it's not as niche as it looks. And I think Rachel did an amazing job in putting this conference together. I actually remember the first tweet that started it, which was some, I think it was her or someone else accidentally typing out word campus instead of word camp us. And then Rachel went, that's awesome. There should be a WordPress campus, like a higher ed conference. And then a bunch of people said, yes, there should be. Someone should do that. And then that has turned into this massive thing now. I love that. I had no idea that where that came from, but I agree with you. She does a great job. And um, I find that from when I worked in university, just as a, as a grad student, just that silo effect is pretty common across the board. I mean, this was pre. Uh, oh yeah. It, you know, de departments don't talk to each other. No. Like ever. No. No. Well, and they, they don't want they, you. They don't want to talk to each other <laughs> right. and they will actively fight each other. Yeah. Well, you so know, it's a, it, it, hey, the, the saying is that, you know, the infighting is so vicious because the stakes are so low. Yeah. <laughs> There's very little money and you are competing with everybody else for it. I mean, I, I, um, I went to my old university website the other day because I was looking for something. And I was amazed at how they have consolidated everything. So everything lives under one banner. It's extremely streamlined and controlled and everything. And um, I thought back to when I went to university and tried to remember what the website experience was like. And I realized it was the same. And so, so just for context, I went to university in Oslo. So I'm talking about the University of Oslo, which is at uio.no, if you want to go look at it. Um, one of the reasons why that happened was because the university website was under the control of the informatics department. So the, stu the students at the computer sciences department was actually, were actually uh, managing the website. The other one is because universities in Norway are under are government-funded, they are. Um, they have to follow things like accessibility guidelines. <laughs> so, building a website, having each department build its own website, would be insanely costly and probably end up breaking a bunch of rules. So, they've gone in from the start and said, "Look, this has to be consistent because it has to be accessible to everyone. You go into one place, you should be able to find everything." And that kind of strategy, I think, is what all universities need to take forward. And using WordPress for that is actually not a bad idea because you can easily spin up instances either using a multi-site setup or just using a bunch of different WordPress sites and then link them using the REST API. You can set up consistent experiences across the whole board and you can keep them updated and everything. Um, I, just, I, just, I was just messing around with Moodle the other day. I cannot 
fully express how much I wanted to throw my computer out the window. That is the most frustrating experience I've had in software in a very long time. That was the first LMS I used for the internet. Not I, I go back to CBT days, but that was my first uh, internet uh, LMS experience. I agree with you. Nightmare. We, we had to use Moodle for um, Media Bistro when I was teaching for them. And uh, yeah, it was quite baffling to me looking at it because, you know, it's got all this stuff about grades. And I'm like, um, um, am I supposed to like grade these people? They're like, no, no, just ignore all that. But it, yeah, it, it was pretty gruesome. Um, when I was an undergrad, um, the web hadn't been invented yet. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the university didn't have a website then. Um, uh, and even when I was a graduate student, uh, that was when I discovered the web, but the, the university didn't have a website. Uh, and, and when I got to uh, Warwick uh, in 94, uh, um, there was a website and basically it was pretty rudimentary, but there was you know, like a homepage for the university and, and um, you know, you would go to the computer or, um, support people and uh, talk about, you know, having them give you a directory that you could, you know, build stuff in and uh, that kind of stuff. And, you know, computer science and um, the computer support people did not talk to each other. And none of them talked to the IT that handled all of the administrative stuff. And, and you can just imagine how fragmented everything was at, at a time when, you know, it's like, yeah, that would have been the time, you know, to do what they did in Oslo and, and create a centralized structure. And, and there was no way. There was no way you were going to get around the politics to do that. Yeah, and we didn't have, when I was in college, there was, quote, internet, but not the World Wide Web. So if you took... If you took programming through the computer engineering, not computer science, but computer, computer engineering department, you got an email address and you could FTP with other engineers around the country. You know, you could, that's all you could do. You could email and FTP. And um, that was what, 81, I think. And, Don't uh, worry, <laughs> FTP still lives at, in the university system. Well, just, I use it all the time. So I, it still lives outside the university system. Over but, the FTP. But yes. <laughs> and good morning, Adam. Good morning, Adam. As we hey, start to everybody. wrap this up, let's. Uh, we've got a new, uh, excuse me, a new panelist. Adam, please introduce yourself. <laughs> Uh, well, it's good. Mic test. Um, my name's Adam, WPCrafter.com. I'm happy to join you guys today. I always join a little late because, you know, I like to show fashionably late, of course. <laughs> well, we're glad you joined us. We were just wrapping up the first story on WordPress and higher education, and we're going to move into the second story where Sally put in a really cool story on virtual reality. In oh, Word that's why fest. I joined. I'm sorry. That's why I joined. Well, then perfect timing. <laughs> so then we'll let you start. No, 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 no. Let Moore go first. And then okay. go after him. <laughs> All right, Morton, we'll let you start. No, I want to hear what other people have to say on this. <laughs> okay, Sally? Fine. I'll say, I want to say something. Sorry, I'll okay. just come out with it. I was going to say that... I am not a believer. I am just not a believer. I am a non-believer in virtual reality for websites. I tried to wrap my head around it. I tried to wrap my head around it. And when I heard Morton talk about it at uh, WCUS, 
And I just can't, I just can't see someone wanting to not have total control over the display of their website for people that are visiting their website. I'm not a believer. I came to be that, uh, you know, that character in the movie that always antagonizes the hero. So Mar uh, uh, Martin, you'll be the hero and I'll be the guy that's uh, kind of the guy antagonizing you in this segment. So you are truly going to be Dr. Evil today. It that's works. right. That's right. The name fits. The name certainly fits today. Right. Well, it's, it's you know, I, I looked at, at, uh, at this article because, you know, partly because of what Morton said and, and partly because, you know, it's just a subject that gets discussed uh, outside of, of WordPress. And, you know, what they show in this article is, is a number of examples of, you know, places where you would want to basically give somebody a kind of 3D view of something. And they're, they're talking about kind of 3D mapped into to 2D, which we've seen before. And, you know, there are good use cases that, you know, the Google Maps Street View, or if you're selling a product that you want, you know, people to be able to see on multiple sides or a tour of a house. And all, all those are legitimate uses, not universal uses. And I think that what we're going to, to see is, you know, and, and I've, heard about other things like, you know, I could totally see wearing um, augmented reality glasses while driving that show the GPS information, you know, right in front of my eyes so I don't have to look somewhere else, uh, you know, or that, you know, when you're walking around, show you like the name of the street for all those places that don't put street signs anywhere you can see them, uh, you know, useful things like that. Um, and I'm sure there are going to be some circumstances in which you are are going to want, you know, where either people are not looking at a flat screen, you know, but at some kind of a projection or want some kind of immersive experience. Now, you're not going to want to, like, put a headset on for an immersive experience, you know, to look up an answer to a question. Not not very likely. You know, you are much more likely to use your, your voice-activated uh, you know, smart audio thing and just ask it the question. Uh, so I think it's really going to depend uh, on the, the circumstances and the information you're providing so that, well, you know, maybe if you're a car dealer website, you know, somebody who would want to actually immerse themselves in the experience of, you know, imagining that, that they are, you know, in the car and does it have enough headroom for them and is it you know uh, is it worth taking the next step and going for it for test drive i mean you're still going to want to go for the test drive but um you know that that kind of information and for other things it it just doesn't make sense now you know you can create a virtual environment where you have control maybe not over precisely over the order that people see things but of what things are there for them to be seen um but uh, yeah, this is this is not necessarily a, a small task, and I don't think like just because it's available doesn't mean we're going to use it for for everything. I mean, you you don't want text, you know, surrounding you in three D because that's going to make it almost impossible to read. But you may want other things, you know, with something off to the side here and something off to the side there, and to use you know VR the way my husband does his you know multi monitor setup of of having a bunch of things available uh, within your range of view. So, you know, I think that uh, although the article shows us some useful uh, implementations of, of basically, you know, 3D modeling software and 360 display and so on, 
that's not really virtual reality. Uh, and uh, that we're going to see a lot of things referred to as virtual reality that aren't, but that may be kind of a, a, a step on the way. I mean, you know, we, we've been talking about a 3D web since the 90s and VRML. Uh, and implementing it has proved to be a, a little less simple. So I'll shut up there because I do want to hear what Morton has to say. Yes, let's go to Morton. Uh, yes to all of that. The, if you pay close attention to the VR space right now, the, all of these R spaces, you'll notice that there is a convergence. And the convergence is around what Microsoft wants to call XR or um, uh, crossed reality, which is an umbrella term for VR, uh, AR, and MR, where you can... As VR takes away your reality and just replaces it with something else. AR is something where you get reality with stuff superimposed on top of it. And MR, you have some sort of mixed reality where you either have both <clears throat> replaced items within the reality and other things, and when you can actively interact with things in the real world that are then, those interactions are reflected in your uh, view. And what I'm starting to see is this quite radical shift from the VR of old of replacing everything with something else to this much more AR, MR kind of um, approach where we essentially are looking at heads-up displays for real life. Uh, this concept is, has been you know, celebrated in sci-fi since the 50s. It is something that is already happening around us. Certain cars have kind of an augmented reality display in them now, so you can see uh, your speed and things projected up on the windshield, which is incredibly useful when you're driving, so your know, eyes don't go to the dashboard. They actually are just on the windshield. Um, and we're seeing it all over the place. Like People use projectors to project things onto windows, and there are interactive displays at malls where there used to be ads. All this stuff is are stepping stones on the way to actual proper mixed reality where we either have glasses on that show us the real world with something else superimposed on top of it, or more likely we'll have um, contact lenses that do the same thing in some way and eventually probably implants. Um, and I know that sounds insane, but seriously, <laughs> that's probably what's going to happen. Uh, if you go back a couple of years, you'll remember all the cell phone manufacturers were working on this and a lot of apps had features that allowed you to hold up your phone and then scan around and see annotations of what was going on around you. Um, that's something that everyone is working on and something that will happen really soon. And both Apple and Google are shipping that kind of features in their phones. And there's only, you know, there's only a small technological leap from that to that being projected into glasses that you wear. Apple and Google both have patents in for both glasses and for contact lenses to do exactly that. Um, several companies, including Magic Leap, are working on hideous-looking AR glasses that are enormous and really clunky. And when you see what they do and you put them on in real life, you go, oh, I see where this is going. Like, this is just the prototype. This, they just need to scale down this thing and then run it off your phone and then crazy things will happen. Um, <clears throat> so while I understand the... Uh, Dr. Evil's concern that uh, VR is just a complete distraction. And I agree that the VR, pr as presented in that article, 
is actually not what VR is going to be in any way because that's just 3D view of content. That we already have that. There's nothing special about it. What we're talking about is a completely different way of thinking about content, context, and pretty much everything else uh, on the web. So what I'm imagining will probably happen in, within a couple of years is we'll have some form of AR glasses that are readily available and not ridiculously expensive that people can use. At that point, people will start asking for the ability to pull up content from the web that is relevant to the physical location they're at, or people will start using APIs that can detect what people are seeing and then inject their own content into it. So you could make a website that said, uh, I have the, uh, the, um, uh, best information on movies or TV shows or music or something like that. And people wear the glasses anytime they hear the music or see a movie poster, the website will auto-inject information about this into their site. And that means the way that we parse our data on the back end of our website needs to change because we'll have to be able to serve up just piecemeal pieces of data from within the post. So this whole concept of a full view with a header and a footer and all that shit goes away. People will only want a little maybe just an abstract of a single article that you've written with the ability to to pull things out. That's step one. Step two would be something like the computer going away and being replaced by um, virtual computers. So you can go into a room, you'll see a bunch of people sitting there typing on their desk without a computer. And what they're seeing is a computer. And then they can choose to say, I want to share what I'm doing with someone else. And then they can hit a button in their virtual system. And then their view will be shared with the person next to them. So they can also interact with the same screen without anyone doing it. All of this will happen. <laughs> there is no question. It's just a matter of time. And it will probably happen within a five-year time span. We're not talking about some time in the distant future. We're talking about this will actually happen. All the big companies are putting so much money into this. Everyone knows where this is going. So it's just, you know, we'll just have to wait, see how long we can wait until we buy all this gear and get hooked in. <laughs> Thank you for the interesting vision of the future. I agree with you. I think it's going to happen. Guys, we've been having so much fun talking. I have forgotten to pause for our break. We're going to do that now and then circle back around because I want to make sure we get John and Chris's views on uh, an interesting topic also. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com just like the podcast and we're back from our break guys this has been a great talk we've had lots of uh, discussion about virtual reality and where it's going and what the options are uh, John would you like to jump in for a minute and give us your thoughts yeah so uh, you know a lot of people when they first saw virtual reality it might have been in the early 90s I know it was for me there was shops that actually operated like uh, north of here uh, where I was living at the time where you could go in and you could play like a first person shooter like Quake or something like that and you'd have the headset and you'd have the little power glove and you'd like turn with your like little glove and you'd see what was happening and 
as Sally said, I, I don't, as cool as like these stitched together, like 360 views are, that's not really virtual reality. I think we're going to get more uh, a mix of something like augmented reality and mixed reality. I think mixed reality where you have like holograms and stuff like that. I think that's where people want to get to. I think right now we've got stuff like augmented reality, like with Pokemon Go or something like that, where it uses uh, a camera, whether that's in a headset or on your phone. Um, I do think like 50 years down the line, we're going to have like cyborg parts, as Morton said, uh, basically, uh, or a minority report <laughs> style of virtual keyboards. I, I think it's a ways off, uh, you know, that level of it. But I think it would be cool at, at some point uh, to to have, uh, you know, annotated uh, things like when you're walking into a room or whether you're browsing it on the web or pictures. That's kind of the promise of the semantic web, what we were told, you know, 10 years ago. Um, how long it takes to get there, we'll see. So that's all I got. Thank you. And Chris, I'd specifically like to hear your thoughts on, as we develop out more VR options, what are our options for tying that into learning? That's a great question. Uh, and a funny side note, four years ago, I tried to buy the domain name WPAI, but somebody beat me to it. I was going to make my big bucks with that investment. Um, but in terms of kind of what Morton is saying about obsolescence, and as we approach the singularity uh, here, the rate of change is going to be accelerating. And, you know, things like the virtual machine, maybe the laptop will go away. I mean, we all used to have big clunky desktop computers with printer with, you know, paper with holes in the side. And, uh, you know, email didn't used to exist. Things, things become obsolescent. Um, so I think that's going to be interesting. I think it's easy to, to get in a, in a path where you're not aware of the change until it actually happens. And then you're like, what just happened? Um, so I think it's cool to look into the future of what might happen in the same way that we saw in science fiction movies, um, like a video phone on the computer, which, you know, launched with Skype and what we're doing right now. This has all been kind of thought about through science fiction, which is great. Um, but tying it directly into learning, <clears throat> I find really interesting. As an example, Lifter LMS is a learning management system, but it's also a LCMS, a learning content management system. Now, this issue of content is very interesting because one of the things we're seeing in uh, e-learning or online education, WordPress is really good at you know, presenting the post, which might have a video embedded in it. Um, you know, text, downloads, all kinds of stuff that people use for training. Uh, but what's, there's also this whole world of instructional design and authoring tools outside of WordPress for making interactive content like Articulate, Storyline, the H5P project. And, and we're seeing right now how people are trying to get these tools inside of WordPress. And that's, that's kind of happening. That's an option. Um, WordPress itself is becoming... And the video hosts like Vimeo and Wistia are becoming more and more powerful with live streaming options and stuff. But I see a place for VR, AR, XR, whatever content becoming an option in instructional design. And just to give a couple quick examples, um, you know, there's a lot of training out there around like medical understanding. So if you get 
diagnosed with a disease or somebody you love. Um, there's training so that you can learn to understand a, a disease or a condition. And if that happens in a virtual world, you know, you can kind of maybe take a tour inside the body and understand things a little bit better than just a video. Um, another option, which is trending in, um, in uh, online education is personalization. So if I'm learning Spanish and I go out into my city and I, I put my, as an assignment, say in the LMS, walk around and just start looking what these buildings and places are called in Spanish, like this is Iglesia, this is Escuela, but it's unique to my community. So instead of just sitting at home, like looking at pictures, I'm actually integrating it and mapping it to my reality in terms of learning the language. Um, so it, it could be very interesting. I'm excited to see where it goes and how we solve the content problem. Because how do we get the content? They're, they're already struggling with that right now in terms of how do you get this other type of content. We're really used to video and audio and text and images, but this is a new content type. Absolutely. And it isn't part of the issue they brought it up, but I think it's true just overall. Creating that level of content is still very difficult. And that, I think, for the more ubiquitous it becomes, just like with the web, the easier content creation around that will probably become. I, I don't know how that'll happen yet, but I think it will because, you know, think back again, go back pre-World pre Wide Web to what the internet was and things were a lot more difficult than what we can do today. I want to just jump in, get yeah. the final word, you know, the final word. Um, <laughs> I think VR is a fad. No one wants to put glasses on. It's just going to be for video games, which is actually kind of cool. Um, VR sucks. I think AR is the coolest thing. Um, uh, we absolutely are going to get to it. We already have glimpses of it in our life. I don't know if any of you guys have an iPhone. When the iPhone came out, isn't the keyboard essentially AR? You know, it's just on a screen. It's you know, whatever is displayed back on a screen. Everyone said we wanted a physical keyboard and we all happily prefer not having a physical keyboard right now, which is a baby form of um, augmented reality, which is a future VR dead end. It's going to go the way of the 3D glasses. <laughs> Who goes and sees a 3D movie anymore? There's maybe coming back. You never know. <laughs> Every single person who watched Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, thanks, guys. This, is, um, this has been great discussions. I think we're going to table that last one because we're running up on our 45 minutes. But before we do wrap up, Adam, you had mentioned something last week that there was something you put in the uh, Slack channel that you wanted to bring up as far as a security Concern? Did you want to share that with us to get it out to people? <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, absolutely. So um, I know not everybody pays attention to what's going on with security and things like that. Um, uh, but everyone should have come across an article about the Intel CPU vulnerability. So essentially, every computer, <laughs> every phone, every web server that uses an Intel CPU has vulnerabilities in it, and uh, you, it, it's hard to wrap your mind around it. Most of the Apple devices have already been patched. You have to run an update. Uh, some updates are going out, but web hosts themselves need to update the servers that your website is on 
and you should be getting a notice. You should have already gotten a notice because the patch was put out, I think, on the 9th of January. And I know the two web hosting companies that I use, um, InMotion Hosting and Linode, they sent me notifications. I had to deal with uh, 15 minutes to an hour of downtime while they did the patches, and that was totally fine. But I put that info out on my YouTube channel, and I was surprised so many web hosting companies are doing nothing about this. They're not notifying their customers. They're like look, turning a blind eye. And it just goes to show that, number one, you might want to check with your web host if you have not received an email saying you're about to have some downtime because we have to run this patch, your, your web host, either one didn't tell you you had downtime and you're not monitoring it, or more likely they're not paying attention to this big problem that's out there with every web server. So um, I did want to bring that up because I think it's important uh, if you have not received a notice to contact your web host and say, what the heck are you doing? Maybe it's time to go to a more reliable web host that is on top of things. Thank you. I agree. It's important. Uh, if you haven't heard from your host, check with them. Make sure they've done it. That's a public service announcement from WP Tonic Podcast. Let's That's wrap right. up. And uh, please, each person I'm going to call on you, tell us, uh, again, where people can get in touch with you. And then uh, we'll be back to see everybody next roundtable. Adam, I'm going to go ahead and start with you. I'm starting at the end and coming back to me. Absolutely. Uh, Adam, WPCrafter.com. I mostly have a YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash WPCrafter. Take a look at my most recent video. I just hit 40,000 subscribers and I put a behind the screens video out yesterday behind the scene, not screen. And I go about how I make my videos, the little circle bubble effect, the equipment I use. It's all there. I'm just, just sharing with the world, creating competition. <laughs> Congratulations on 40,000 subscribers. That's pretty darn amazing. Uh, Morton, how can people get in touch with you? I am Morton on Twitter, M-O-R-1-0. The other Morton doesn't like it when people ask him WordPress questions. <laughs> uh, and you can also find my content on LinkedIn and on LinkedInLearningAndLinda.com. Thank you. Sally? You can find me at wpfangirl.com uh, and at eastbaywp.com. And I am at Sally Getch on Twitter and um, most other places. If you can spell my name, you can find me. I am unique in Google. Just heard from somebody that knew my parents when I was two years old. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Chris? You can find me at lifterlms.com. And also I have a podcast centered around the life of the online educator that's called LMS cast. Very nice. Thank you. And John, how can we get in touch with you? You can find me at my website, which is lockdowndesign.com. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter. I'm lockdown underscore. Thank you. And to our audience, thanks again for joining us for another successful WP table, WP tonic round table, excuse me. And we look forward to seeing you next week. And of course, on Wednesday, we have the WP tonic podcast where we interview somebody interesting from the WordPress community. See you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to WP tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.